this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And this one right here, this is what we call a second chance episode. That's right. We're giving a, a, a delinquent album suggestion another opportunity to prove its worthiness. Not a delinquent. It's like a a rescue record. Yes. It's been surrendered to the shelter. Exactly. (laughs) So we have these polls at our Patreon where we pick, uh, or actually our patrons pick records that they'd like us to review. And it is a tournament of nine albums a week for three weeks. And then two albums from each of those gets Put into the final, and then the final is six. You know, the six and one comes out of that. Well, we've had two ties this year, and one of them came down to uh, what was it? It was Swerve Driver, and and who did who did they tie? Uh, it was back in January. It was oh, it was uh, Black Grape. That was the tie. It was Black Grape? It's oh, okay. great when you're straight, and Swerve Drivers raise. They tied. It went to a runoff. Black Grape won. I think. I think that's what happened. Right. Yes. Yes, we did. Or, or are we tossed, tossed a coin in the air? <laughs> Whatever happened. Anyway, <laughs> we decided, oh, well, since they tied and we have two open episodes and we had two ties this year in the final, we'll use those two ties as an opportunity to rescue these, uh, these second place winners. So. This is not a, uh, a new band for us. Jay, do you remember when we did Swerve Driver originally? What episode? Yeah, roughly. Oh, my God. It would be very early. Mm-hmm. Somewhere sub, sub 100. 17. Episode oh 17. We're, we were just a couple weeks into this thing. And we were checking out Swerve Driver's 1993 album, Mezcal Head, with special guest Neil Schmidt, drummer of Pretty Mighty Mighty, a band that we've talked about on here, and our old friend who uh, recorded our band and numerous other bands at his studio, uh, Workbook, which existed back in the uh, late 90s and 2000s here in Columbus, Ohio. He's now a professor of music at uh, Keppel University. So the rock professor, as we like to refer to him, (laughs) the professor of rock. Um, So this is our second bite at the Swerve Driver Driver Apple. Um, Had you listened to Ray's their debut that much? Not as much as Mezglad. Um, Yeah, I had heard it. uh, I think after the fact, I got Mezglad first and then I at some point went back and, and listened to this a bit, but yeah, had not spent as much time with it. Same. I, How about you? Mezcal head was sort of the introduction 
for me. I think I yeah. had maybe listened to the record yeah. like once or twice before then, but it was then when we reviewed the record back in 2011 that I was like, oh, this is a really cool band. And then they reunited, and I've bought both those records that they've, uh, when they reunited, and I've actually seen them twice. I saw them on tour for both of those records, and I really like them. Uh, not as much as Mezcal had. That's kind of like their, I, I would consider that their best record. Um, but both those are really good records. So I had sampled they had four total albums out in the 90s, and I had sampled the other three, but not real deeply. So I was familiar with this because of Rave Down, because that was I, not a single, but that was like one of the big songs off of this. And then Son of Mustang Ford as well was a song that I was familiar with. But that was it. I didn't listen to any of this record in depth until we decided yeah. to revisit this. Um, few notes, just so people are aware. This came out in 1991 on Creation Records, the famous label run by Alan McGee. Uh, it was, well, it's got uh, nine songs, but then there was a 2008 re-release. Because this was actually out of, like, um, it was, it, you could not get copies of it for a long time. They because Creation had issues with distribution after things kind of went belly up after Oasis and you know it was hard to get copies of this record but then they um they re-released a expanded version with a bunch of b-sides and that added uh four more songs and then this was also originally pressed with a bonus seven inch song with two bonus tracks if you bought the vinyl back in 1991 so those were so there was there's like six bonus songs if you get the re-released uh version. The band is Adam Franklin on guitar and vocals, Jimmy Hartridge on guitar and vocals, AD Vine on bass, and Graham Bonar on drums. I don't think that's quite the lineup now. I think um I don't know who's in the band. Well, I guess I think Adam and and Jimmy are both still in the band. And then the drummer is Mickey Jones or Mikey Jones. And the bass player is um, Mick Quinn, who people would know because he was the bass player in Supergrass. And since Supergrass is oh, cool. not an entity anymore, um, yeah. he's, been, he's been playing bass with uh, Swerve Driver since 2015. Um, Let's get into some of the comments from way back when on uh, Swerve Driver. Were there a lot? No, which is shocking because uh, they won. I mean, or they, they were tied for the win. So you would think that <laughs> there would be comments, but Keith Badge said, dig me out. The only place where Black Grape, COC, and Swerve Driver battle for supremacy. <laughs> Um, he said, I like Swerve Driver quite a bit. The song 99th Dream was something I listened to over and over again when it came out. That's not on this record. That's on the album of the same name. Um, Gavin said, I'm taking Black Grape here, although I do prefer the follow-up, Stupid, 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 as I think it should provide interesting discussion. Honorable mention to Swerve Driver, because I love this album. I was playing it last week, but we've already covered them. 
Jeff Jensen said, I agree with Gavin regarding Swerve Driver in all accounts, including the use of we. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Bittner said, this is a tough one. Blue Rodeo, Swerve Driver, and COC. Again, that's a weird combo of bands. Blue Rodeo, Swerve Driver, and COC are all awesome and worthy of discussion, particularly COC, because it seems to have been a long stretch since a heavier record has been reviewed. And he went with Flowerhead, which didn't even come close. Or, yeah, that Flowerhead had uh, 10% of the vote back then. And uh, that was it. Somehow, even though it tied for first, it only got barely mentioned in the comments, which I guess sticks to the format of how this goes, typically. Let's get into Dis- it, Jay. Discord had a uh, had a couple. Oh, did it? Oh, please read those. Uh, I mean, they're just brief. Uh, Daz said, Swerve Driver, any day for my fuzzy ears. <laughs> and Phil said, Swerve Driver. <laughs> so... Okay. that's the uh the that's the difference in comments on discord versus patreon yeah we did announce it on our on our discord and if you join us at patreon you, you get the discord for free uh that's where the that's where the community resides and we announced that we would be doing the second chance episodes there was confusion thinking that we were going to make them go up against each other yeah. and i made it clear no 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 this and our second second chance episode which will be coming up next week are are both deserving of their own second chances they you were like to... everybody look under your chairs you get an album you get an album you get an album we're very generous here just like oprah we got oprah money no <laughs> but we got oprah generosity that's what matters let's talk about rays by swerve driver jay tell me one thing you like about this album it's hard not to start with guitars, right? Um, I, I think what struck me as I really spent time with this album and, and you know put a lot of focus on it was just how grave an example of um, you know how it showcases the range of possibilities with loud electric guitars. You know, I think we sometimes listen to this kind of music, or even the general population of people, you know, music listeners think of guitars as kind of one thing sometimes dumb sometimes not dynamic or interesting anymore but this is just it's just an exploration of all these amazing tones and how you can layer them together and create these really um almost soundscapes that are wrapped around you know sort of pop or melodic songs uh the tones are really interesting because they change a lot on the record um even within a verse you'll get like three to four different guitar tones parts and riffs uh it it can be chimey but not brittle they're heavy but they're still defined like when the guitars get heavy you can hear both the that sort of compressed fuzz but then you also get this depth of like, oh, they're maybe they're playing like a hollow body or something. Like I'm hearing strings. Like it's not just a wall of fuzz. It's depth and dimension. They're super. They can be very pretty. They can also be very aggressive. Um, I think songs like Flyer, Feel So Real, and Rave Down just show this an amazing um, use of the instrument. 
to build on melodic themes. You know, Sci-Flyer, I think, is a great example where there's this melody that they're playing with in that intro and they play it one way with one tone and they shift and play it another way with another tone. Down is a great example where you know they're going from chords to picking to like this really aggressive riff all seamlessly um within you know a verse which is which is pretty amazing um it's also very propulsive which i think sometimes you know the span is coming from a shoegaze kind of point of reference in some ways with the tones but they're very to me they're very different Maybe only the only other band I can think of that they're close to would be Catherine Wheel at times. Um, and how aggressive or propulsive the band can be. The tempos are often pretty quick. There's a little bit of, almost like a shuffle to the drums sometimes. Um, and I think that combination of up tempo mixed with these, you know soundscape layered guitars is just it's so dramatic um it can be so big it can be so pretty it can be like so expansive um you know even within that you're still hearing the bass player and the drummer which often with these types of you know big guitar bands using lots of effects and lots of layers usually that eats up the bass and the guitar or i'm sorry the bass and the drum so you lose like the kick drum or you lose the bass guitar completely or you know the snare sounds bad or it's brittle you know for the most part you can hear everybody which is also pretty amazing for you know having played in you know bands or been in studios and listened to a lot of music and analyze it it's really hard to do it's really hard to be this layered and still have it all be discernible and can, you know, fairly separated. So yeah, it's just a, to me, just a bombastic, super interesting on many levels record. I think you could rock out to a lot of the stuff on this, you know, the son of Mustang forward is a great example. Rave down is a good example where you can just play those and you, just get an emotional you know sort of adrenaline brush from it and then there's other stuff that's super heady and you can put your headphones on and really dive deep into it and that's kind of lush uh so yeah just a really unique sound and i i think to just summarize it all just a to me a celebration of the electric guitar it's just mm-hmm. like plugging that those guitars into a you know loud amps and hooking them up the pedals and it's just incredible how many things you can do with them what worked for you 
guitars, obviously. But I, I think the thing I realized listening to this now is that this is probably one, if only, or maybe a few shoegaze bands that you can pick up American influences on. Like, you can hear Jay Massis. 80s dinosaur jr being an influence on this record even in the way that like when they use the wah pedal and they get that like like that's very jay massis circa you're living all over me or bug or or something like that like that like wall of weird wah noise that you get um and i know that they were influenced by like husker du and and some of that stuff as well but it's almost weird that they're in the same category as like a slow dive because that's such a quieter band, even though they're in the shoegaze era. Uh, yeah, this is so muscular in its sound. It's so aggressive. It's so on top of everything. And you mentioned it's like propulsive. Everything sounds like a big downstrum <laughs> and it's just, it's just powering through son of Mustang Ford. I mean, that's one of that's probably one of my top five favorite Ray or uh, Swerve Driver songs. has the attitude of like raw power era stooges combined with like there's even like there's a part where he's saying he says like been on the road for days and he's like oh yeah and i'm like that sounds like david lee roth like (laughs) it's so it's such an american like attitude thing and 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 they were in into cars and in that way, it kind of reminds me of even like Australian bands that were making, you know, yeah. loud music and, and that kind of stuff. So it and I actually, I actually thought that they were Australian for a long time. I didn't realize that they were a UK band. I thought they were an Australian influenced mm. um, uh, shoegaze band. But listening to this now, really getting the full breadth of the record, um, it's amazing how much diversity there is in the tones and i remember seeing them live adam franklin's pedal board is really like a semicircle, and there's like 40 pedals and he's he's hitting them like it's like boom 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 boom. like he's doing a whole orchestra with those pedals so you're getting like these very crafted distortion tones so like he's got distortion and then he hits this other pedal and it kicks it up a little bit and then he's got another one yeah. and he's got and it, it's just it's so much fun to listen to just the guitar playing in that sense. Um, 
I do think it's fun. Like also there's like weird little parts like in Sci Flyer, it almost there's that guitar part that sounds like Creedence Crewwater Revival. That dare nair 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 nair. It's like born on a bayou. Yeah. <laughs> like what yeah. is that supposed to be an homage? I'm like, I don't know what that's supposed to why that's like that. But um I think the other thing is that I appreciated listening to it now is just how active the rhythm section is and why there's so much propulsion. Um, it yeah. is not like a lot of the other stuff where I think of shoegaze as sort of laying back a little bit. When you think of like, like my buddy Valentine, it's very on the backbeat. It's very on like the, the, you know, it's like a groove almost. It's not like bump, yeah. bump, bump, bump hitting you in the face the way that rave down or, or Son of Mustang Ford or or any of these songs really. I mean, they get they get a little chill like towards the like let me lead me where you dare. Like that actually gets into what I would consider like regular shoegaze territory. Yeah. But this is this is such a different approach. And it's really you just it's like taking, you know, these American influences like Dinosaur Jr. I can hear Sonic Youth in this, and then filtering it through this UK um prism that makes it all the more interesting um listening back to it now and i think it works even in spite of what can be not great production at times like it's still a little tinny for 91 um but there's so much heft in the guitars that they kind of like force their way (laughs) forward um to make it sound good Whereas, like, if you listen to the first Catherine Wheel record, man, that is baked in a lot of, of reverb and. Uh, yeah, yeah. This has way more punch than that. Yes, and that's that's you know, and were, not, it was I, a little I, more delay on that one than distortion, and I get that, yeah. but, um, like you can actually like if you crank this up, you can actually you know, feel the kick drum. You can hear the bass. Mm-hmm. It gets a little brittle here and there, but. Um, I think the mix is just better than the Catherine Will stuff. Could probably use a remaster to just I think that would probably clean it up a little bit. Yeah. It can get a little muddy muddy and brittle, but it's way better than the early Catherine Will stuff. I speaking of them, I wondered like listening to Rave Down. If I remember when um Happy Days came out. Mm-hmm. And sort of the story on that record was, oh, this is, you know, they're stepping up to be, to show they can be a heavy band too. And I always wonder like who they were talking about and listening to this band, specifically the song rave down gave me a lot of like vibes for happy, you know, Catherine, happy days, vibes, era vibes. Mm -hmm. And wondering if this was a primary uh, this band was a primary motivator for them to to get a little more muscular um, and, and rock out a little harder and louder. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you listen to this, and then you listen to Mezcal Head, which comes out in 93. What is, I think, Happy Days is what, 94, 95, somewhere in there? Yep. Uh, yep. I mean, if you listen to Force Seeking Heat, the, the first song off there, I mean, it's a very fast, aggressive song. Um, there's some real rippers on that. Now that album, and I could see like Catherine Wheel. 
I mean, they might have been touring together at this point in the UK. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't know what their circles were like in terms of, you know, where they were touring, who they were touring with, and whatnot. I just got to imagine that this would be, you know, a band that is frustratingly heavy, but also sort of, you know, Adam Franklin writes in a very kind of his, even though the music is very on top of it, his voice is laid back, which makes it interesting. Like he's not always attacking the lines. He's kind of sitting back with it. So if you're into shoegaze, but you're not into heavy guitars, (laughs) you're not necessarily going to love this because you take him out of this. And this is a pretty freaking rocking album. Yeah. But if you're into shoe, if you're into like hard rock, are you going to listen to this? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's a weird. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a little, they're in a weird space. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a space that we're very comfortable with and like, but most people are going to be either this is too weird or it's too straightforward. Yep. Yep. I agree. anything that doesn't work for you on the record well it's funny you mentioned leave me where you dare that's probably the weakest song for me mm-hmm. it's just a, a bit of a letdown to go out on that tune it feels less inspired it's a little lethargic kind of trippy and predictable you know it's almost got a loop to it um and it's five five minutes long i mean all the songs on this record are pretty long Mm-hmm. I think this is a band that really benefits from keep it short. You know, um, it can be a lot to take in and absorb because there's so much going on in this record. There's so many dynamic shifts. It's so dense. So I wouldn't mind dropping that song. And I think this album would feel punchier and just more cohesive and still be plenty long enough. His vocals sometimes are a little disappointing. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I think son of Mustang Ford is great. You can tell he's got this attitude to, to his singing and um, it's, it's got a little snot to it and, you know, he's really into it. There's other songs where it just feels like there's just vocals on here to have vocals. Um, Yeah. They're not particularly inspiring. That's probably one of the drawbacks overall big picture mm-hmm. for this band is just vocally it can be not up to how great the guitars are. Uh, so those are the I things feel that like didn't work for me. He's the word, he's the weak link as a vocalist. 
which I think he cr- I think he corrected it on the follow up Mezcal had. He really yeah. comes up with not just interesting melodies, but there are some really cool lyrics on that record as well. And a song like Pile Up is a good example. When they're in the verses and there's, there's sort of this like stutter drum beat happening and he's singing like like real low and kind of like droney. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's out of key. It is real flat. Yeah. And that's the second song on the record. And you're going that direction. It's, it's a, I could see somebody like turning it off at that point. Yeah. Um, even though it's a short, it's, I think it's the shortest song on the record. It's only 342. But there are yeah. times where his guitar playing is far more capable than his his vocal on this record, which doesn't make them unlistenable. It's just I would have you know, like you said, I just skip the vocal. <laughs> just do some cool guitar stuff. Well, I think I'll I'll bring up Catherine Wheel again because that's probably why that band resonated with me quicker. I mean, Rob Dickinson's a great singer. They can, you know, when they do a ballad, he can just play an acoustic guitar and sing the shit out of a song. And it's super compelling and great. I don't know that this band can do that. Even though there's mm-hmm. a ton of Rancher with the guitars, they can't go quite that far. You know I mean? Catherine Wheel, even, I mean, later in their career, they got into stuff that was, you know, pretty pop from a song's uh, format standpoint, or even like Pink floyd mm-hmm. um, this this band can't get to that range, um, which is fine, but it's just, I think, highlights maybe why Catherine Wheel was just more accessible to me and easier to get into. Uh, there's just, you can grab onto that vocal easier than this, which is, it's buried in there. It comes in and out. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not so great. You really have to like, be committed to the guitars and really want to spend time with those. And um, I think to, to kind of get this band and it takes a little while longer uh, for it to click. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Dickinson's got a, almost a classic voice in a lot of ways. Um, and you hear that coming out, especially on Adam and Eve. It's very big. It's very bold. He has a lot of personality with his singing. Adam Franklin, when he hits his sweet spot, is really good, but that's a very narrow sweet spot for him as a vocalist. And it's why you don't see like Swerve Driver taking any big swings in terms of making a, you know, Adam Eve is a very Pink Floyd influenced rock record with some really great tunes on it. And then Wishville obviously is is a very popish record with regards to its song length. And there's not a lot of solos on that record which is totally opposite of how the band started. Um, I don't feel like Swerve Driver ever reinvented themselves. They just kept sort of perfecting and, you know, fine tuning and adjusting, but not really, you know, the distance between Rays and Future Ruins, it sounds like a matured band from that one, but it doesn't sound like that much that different. Yeah. So yep. whereas Catherine Wheel, where they started and where they ended up is like, that's a big difference. And that's only in 10 years. Yep. Um, sure. But I, I was listening to this and then thinking, OK, 91. This would never trans this. This is be a hard translate 
into the American, uh, you know, audience or American radio, American TV or MTV and stuff like that. Like the singles Rave Down and Son of Mustang Ford and I think Sci-Flyer, like none of those are going up against Pearl Jam's Alive or Bad Motor Finger or Alice in Chains. And, <laughs> I mean, Nirvana. And no, it's it's so much I- more nuanced. It feels yeah. a little, uh, well, I mean, it's definitely ahead of its time. I think mm-hmm. post Siamese Dream, this record probably makes a little more sense in the in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Just with the how big those guitars are, and those were all over the radio, and then Weezer kind of comes, and then we have this big fuzzy guitar thing happening that's a bit more adventurous and yep, uh, interesting for a little while there in the mid '90s. That this, I'm not saying that they would have had a big hit on the radio, but you know, maybe there's a little blip here or there. At least it just it has some more success generally, you know, in the US. But they're, yeah. you know, what, five years ahead of that. <laughs> right. This is pretty this wild. Needed to either be like a late 80s album or like a mid to late 90s album in order to like find its American yeah. audience. Because uh, I, you know, this band has never really gotten any sort of play in the U.S. Even even as good as Mezcal had, it never made a dent really here, except for like college radio. And I think Dinosaur Jr. is a good example of what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. they didn't. Yes, they were, you know, had enough success to continue to make records and whatnot, but didn't really have a hit until almost it's like the mid 90s. Right. Um, yeah, I want to say with when, when, did, when did uh, that, that was like 93, 94, somewhere in there. I'm guessing. So, you know, if they're the American equivalent of this band, it it took them a little, a couple years after this to really come to break through with that, with that sound. Um, fun fact, uh, tangent, I was, I DJed one night at a, um, at the, at the bar restaurant that was attached to my condo here in Columbus. We did, they did, they yeah. wanted to do a nineties night and I was like, oh, I'll, I can DJ that for you. So I, I got like a DJ program for my, for my laptop and I loaded up with songs and I was playing like, you know, it was like some third eye blind mixed with like, you know, stuff that was like people knew like do, do, do. And, and yeah. Al, uh, Alanis Morissette mixed in with like some hip hop and stuff. And I put on feel the pain by dinosaur jr. And some woman came up to me and would goes, you're killing the vibe. Because <laughs> I forgot how dra- dramatically the, t- the tempo shifts in that song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't like that. It's not a dancer. No, it's not a dancer. So then I threw on like, like Tootsie Roll by <laughs> 95 South or whatever, whoever, whoever wrote that song. Uh, all right, let's get into our overall ratings for this record. Worthy album, better EP or decent single? What do you say? It's a worthy album for sure. Uh, I need to go back and listen to Mezcal again. I might like this record better. Um, oh, I think it. I'm ready for it now. <laughs> I think when I listened to it earlier on, when I first discovered the band, I liked it. It just didn't quite fully click. And I think now it's clicking more. I think I understand it better. And uh, yeah, I think it's an important record. 1991 is pretty mind-blowing that this is what 
this band sounded like at that time coming out of the UK is just very unexpected and exciting. Uh, I, I, there's only really one song on here that I, I skip and that's the last track. So I think the rest of it is pretty blazing. Where are you at? I'm also at a worthy record. I don't, I think it's a good preview of what was to come with Mezcal Head. I still think the songwriting on Mezcal Head is what elevates it from front to back. That whole record is pretty hard to match. Whereas I think, I think there are some really good songs on this record, but they're not great songs with the with regards to the way that you know like last train train to satansville and duel and and girl on a motorbike there's a lot of really cool stuff on that record so i still think this is a worthy record um people should definitely check it out i need to get into their later records too like 99th dream and and whatnot because i have not spent a ton of time one of those didn't even come out in the U.S. It was just a U.K. release because they I don't think they had a U.S. label at that point. Uh, I forgot about 99th Dream. I think that's maybe the. That's the other record I listened to quite a bit that isn't on streaming anymore. Interesting. I think that I have that on CD and I listen to it a lot. Huh. Um, yeah, and then there, I think there's one ejector seat reservation, I think is. Yeah is the other one uh we need to thank who was it originally it was marmaduke <laughs> was the original suggester of this back i think that's richard waterman you think so is that is his alias yeah <laughs> well i don't know if you'll if you'll admit to that or not for whoever did thank you for our second chance episode here on Swerve Driver's Rays. Glad we got to check it out. And if you like this uh, episode, you should also check out our episode back on... Uh, when did it come out? In <laughs> May 10th of 2011. I'm sure the audio quality of that episode is perfect. And... We all we are very well uh, on our way to making the type of uh, podcasts that we are making today. I don't even think that episode's so old. There's not even really a recap. It just says in the 17th episode right. of the Dig Me yeah, yeah. podcast, Tim and Jason review the 1993 album Mezcal Head by Swerve Driver. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah, probably should write up something. The first, uh, I think, 100 episodes are like that. We weren't really into content. <laughs> we were just lucky to get the podcast out at that point. I think. Exactly. And, oh, we were recording it over uh, AOL Messenger, I think. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> oh, the, it was some early version of uh, maybe FaceTime? No, it was Apple Talk or something. Yeah. Apple Chat. Whenever that thing existed. I think it was, uh, I think it was Google Plus. <laughs> we were on our Google Plus uh counts uh if uh you would like to suggest an album that can maybe make it into one of our polls and then get into a tie and then get picked for a, a second chance episode you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com to suggest an album and it'll go into one of our our polls to go into the hopper and then it'll make it into a, one of our polls where our patrons vote on it which where you can become a patron by going to digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com and uh that's also where you can read the box newsletter which comes out every week 
You can sign up for it at digmeoutpodcast.com. Every week, it comes out with reviews of two new releases of 80s and 90s music or books, movies, TV shows, whatever, whatever is relevant that we want to talk about that week. Uh, excuse me. Big yawn. Big stretch. Mm. Uh, Apple mm-hmm. Podcasts. That's where you go to leave some positive feedback on this episode. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Mm-hmm.